Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Hope you're feeling good. Today is February the 1st, and today is my little sister's birthday. Hey, what's up, Jody Peterson? She's probably not listening. <laughs> but just in case, I want you to know how much I love you, little sister. It's been a delight to be your big brother. Now going on, well, 32 years. My brother and sister and I are all February babies. My sister is February 1st, my brother February 8th, and then there's me, February 19th. You know, the golden child. <laughs> Welcome to the Wake Up America show where we have lots of fun. We fight for economic freedom and personal liberty. And we talk about all the news that you can use. We've got great guests, great content, lots of bonus content. I know you guys are gonna be excited about that. Yeah, hope you guys are enjoying all of those awesome video game based theme titles for the show. Maybe that's what caught your attention. So do me a favor, if you enjoy it, click like and subscribe to the channel. I spend a lot of time in the evening, sometimes staying up late so I can give you something fresh and something special. The Wake Up America show today brought to you by listeners and viewers just like you. Every Monday through Friday, the show streams live from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. It's a great way to start your day, especially if you love liberty. So join us here on the regs. Put us on your calendar. Start your day the American way. The Wake Up America show. And I as your host, James O'Keefe. Uh, he uh, honey potted him. We don't call it honey pot anymore, but we uh, honey penis him. <laughs> Another James O'Keefe Veritas sting. This time, uh, instead of hiring someone else to go undercover and find someone that works for Joe Biden that's dumb enough to talk, he did it himself uh, in, in the most hilarious way possible. If you're a gay staffer for the Biden administration and you see a blonde guy who's wearing Clark Kent glasses, it's not some, uh, it's not your hot Tinder date. It's James O'Keefe. Yeah. <laughs> I've got that video. We'll talk about it this morning. We'll have a good laugh at the left's expense, as we do per usual. One of the big topics we're going to be talking about today with Camelia Peterson will be joining us at 8 a.m. Is this story, which is. Well, I'll admit, even though I used it for the title of the podcast today, it is a bit misleading. Biden opens up lead on Trump amid growing gender gap, says this Quinnipiac poll. Oh, no, guys, screw it. Let's everybody panic. Everybody freak out because what are we going to do? Trump is losing to Biden in a national poll, especially among the women folks. Uh, but there does Trump have a bit of a woman problem? We are going to hear about that today with Camelia Peterson. That's going to be an interesting topic. Uh, and then at 8.30 a.m. Central, since it is Thirsty Thursday, I know you guys be thirsty. <laughs> oh, come on, church How ladies. Dare you? Oh, don't be like that. We're going to hear from Daniela Pensack. She's got a master's degree, after all. Uh, she's a smart cookie and beautiful. She'll be joining us at 8.30 to talk about... Uh, the uh, young people are having, speaking of the gender gap, young people are increasingly growing apart in their political views based on their sex. Boys are becoming more right-wing and girls are becoming more left-wing. Why do you think nobody's getting together anymore? We're going to hear from Daniela Pensack about that at 8.30 a.m. That's going to be an amazing segment. So make sure that if you do have to go eat breakfast or get the kids ready for school or what have you, that you set an alarm for yourself on your Apple Watch or your phone or whatever, 
to come back at 830 because you're going to want to hear that conversation with Daniela. And we haven't heard from her in a couple of weeks. You can text the show and have your voice heard anytime, night or day. People text me all the time. Some people are texting me like 8.30 p.m. last night listening to the show. You can do so, too, at 573-319-1586. Again, the text lines are open at 573-319-1586. I do want to hear from you. If there's breaking news, since I don't have a news editorial staff here to let me know, sometimes I miss it as I'm producing and performing this show. So keep me in the loop with that text line. I do check those periodically during the show, and it helps to keep me on track and to make sure that your voice is heard. A couple of house cleaning things again before we get started rip-roaring. I do want to talk about Taylor Swift and uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Travis Kelsey and all that stuff. Yes, I know you might be tired of it, but the rest of the world isn't. Well, some people are. The New York Post writes an article that says that the uh, country is experienced experiencing Kansas City Chiefs fatigue. Well, I say too bad. So sad. Uh, Stay mad. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But first, before we do house cleaning things, uh, you guys have been absolutely loving the bonus content on the show. Very briefly, let me uh, attempt to explain Reader's Digest version. Every single day, I create a new piece of bonus content for the show the last two days we started it this week the last two days we've had incredible content about the american eagle about the teddy bear and today if we achieve our goal during the show i've got an extra special piece of bonus content for you that you can unlock if we receive 50 dollars in rumble ramps by the end of the show if we do receive at least 50 dollars in rumble ramps by the end of the show then I will release the dogs of war. And I think you will love it. And just a reminder, every single individual piece of bonus content is created for that day's show and that day's show alone. So if we do not receive at least $50 in donations, that one goes away. And uh, you'll have to try again the next day. But I think today's special content, you're definitely going to want to see Put a little extra love and attention into it. So if you'd like me to release the dogs of war, make a donation today to the Wake Up America show. All right. So where should we begin? Do you guys want to do the, you know, I'm going to be careful because I want to say the the word for the male uh, reproductive member, honey, you know what them, right? But I know that we do have parents with a lot of kids who listen to the show. So I try and keep them PG-13 for that. But, you know, (laughs) every once in a while, PG, PG PG-13. Uh, is what it is. Uh, sometimes we even venture into rated R. Uh, James O'Keefe got him again. Uh, he, if, I don't understand why the Democrats aren't educating their people about who James O'Keefe is. Here he is in his glory, taking down a major uh, employee for the White House. Take a listen to this, Charlie Crager. So you're, you're pretty. You're right, work, I work for the White House. Uh, for the White House, so I'm a cybersecurity polyanalyst, a policy analyst in foreign affairs. Look at him with his big old glass of wine like a gay boy. So you're, you're pretty high up in the government. Yeah, I'm fairly high up. I'm good at keeping secrets. So I manage two federal agencies, the State Department and USAID. So when you say security, manage two agencies, the Federal State Department and the USAID. See, his, he should have known that not, not only that this is James O'Keefe, but that James O'Keefe doesn't have the lisp. Right, like listen to his the the difference in their voices. So I manage two federal agencies, the State Department and USAID. So when you say it's like security, like you're 
protecting the networks of the federal agency you, that you give all your information to. The mission is to protect right. yes. information. And we, sir, we, we are like the president's voice when we go into meetings. Voice? In terms of discussing and, and promoting the president's priorities. Is he, is he going to be the, the nominee? Yes. And she will be the vice president nominee. Yeah, I don't... There was a debate about removing her from the ticket, but... Sadly, they did. She can't keep black staff. They quit on her in mass. She can't keep black staff. They quit on her en masse. <laughs> Man, that list. Powerful list on that boy. But with him, I yeah, mean, I know. I know. He's got. Thank you, by the way, to Quest Fanning, who donated a dollar and said, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Appreciate you very much. Forty-nine more dollars to release the dogs of war today. I know. Dementia. Um, yeah. Well, he's definitely slowing down. Well, they know that he has those issues. I think so. But they're not willing to say it. Shows it. And, they're not willing to say it publicly. And same thing but with Kamala Harris. She's not popular, but you can't remove the first black lady to be vice president from the goddamn presidential ticket. You can't remove the first black lady from the presidential ticket. Oh, James O'Keefe. We love you, James. Like, what kind of message are you going to send to, like, African-American voter? How would you spin that? People would be like, what the f***? Like, like, she's a woman and she's multiracial. I think I think that they're really concerned about this. But they won't say it. Well, I guess if they say it publicly, Correct. Biden can't is, publicly. is uh, no. they can't say it publicly. No, no, they've got to they got to they the say line. it privately? But Nods his head, yes. Meaning that what they say privately is that Kamala is a disaster. She's very unpopular. And that Joe Biden is barely able to form complete sentences and everybody knows it. So what we know, they know. But do they know that we know that they know? Well, now they know because of James O'Keefe. Give it up for James O'Keefe. But they won't say publicly Correct. that Biden can't is, is uh, no, they can't can't say it. No, no, they've got to they got to they say it privately? I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling just, you what I've heard. Like, you're just, yep. You're just telling me the truth. Does it make sense? No, but that's, I mean, that's what I've heard. <laughs> I've had a meeting with Michelle Obama at one point when I was an intern, and someone asked her, will you ever run for office? And she said no, emphatically. Really? I've seen all the shit my husband has had to go through, and that does not interest me. <laughs> People would be like, well, I don't think we should have to get the vaccine. And I'm like, come on. You. It's like you're not going to get the vaccine, and then you're going to go expose my family exactly. in the hospital exactly. to your unlike vaccinated COVID. Like, so you work in cybersecurity for the White House, and my and look, look, look at this. Like James is literally breaking the fourth wall here. He's looking at the camera for his buddy who's down there at a, a table a little bit further down, and he, James is looking at the camera. And I mean, how could you not know? I mean, James. You could have gated up a little bit more, I would think. Uh, so, but, you know, the outfit, I guess you could say, a little bit more like suburban, metro, uh, maybe Fairfax, Virginia dad versus gay boy. Come on, James. My question is, what are you doing on a meeting? with James O'Keefe. What type of cybersecurity operation are you guys running over there? We're running a good cybersecurity operation. Well, obviously not. 
<laughs> Dude, he pulls it off. I mean, it's like an episode of Scooby-Doo. Give it up. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you darn James O'Keefe. OMG investigates the swamp. James, James walking out with a swagger, and it's well-deserved. Got to give it up. Click that like button and subscribe if you like James O'Keefe. And if you're a fan, this is so funny. What is this clown show you guys running over at the White House? Videos like these will be brought to you in part by support with Matic Negotiation. Give it up. My grandmother likes to be like, he's a spy, he's a spy. My parents are like, you can't say that. Don't tell people, don't say these things. Who's a spy? Social media, which was scrubbed after my initial meeting with him, says he likes long walks on the beach and diplomatic negotiation. Are you familiar with the Kennedy School at all? Harvard? What about it? Yes, I'm in the executive education program there. So I got a job at State Department. The State Department? I essentially started at Georgetown and I applied at State. I went to Georgetown for my master's. Where I studied when I joined the... Fuck it, this guy is... This is deep state. This guy's deep state is F. If you ever wondered if the deep state was gay, <laughs> deep state is gay. The security studies program in the School of Foreign Service. So when I was there, I focused on like cyber security and cyber, technically cyber intelligence. So like the like espionage and the spy game that cyber intelligence. You really are James Bond, aren't you? <laughs> I know. My my grandmother my grandmother likes to be like he's a spy, he's a spy. And my parents are like you can't say that. Don't don't tell people. Don't. <laughs> no, no. Thank you, Andy Opperman. He's uh, unlocking that extra content for those who just might be tuning into the show. We appreciate you very much. Thanks so much uh, for uh, joining us. What, what are we talking about with that extra content? So if we raise $50 in Rumble Rants, by the end of the show, I unleash the dogs of the dogs of war, if you will. We've been uh, having a great time creating bonus content for the show. And if we don't unlock it by the end of the show, then it goes away forever. Aww. So it's a great incentive for you to make a donation now to the show. Save your that makes you like a target. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But um. Yeah. I mean, but no, I'm not a spy. I work for the White House. So what are you, I, not I a do spy. That's what management, a... and so my job is. I'm not, I'm not a spy. Sounds like something a spy would say. helps oversee like responses to cyber incidents and cybersecurity problems and so I manage two federal agencies the State Department and USAID so I I like have recurring meetings with them where we talk about goals and we talk about, about the president's priorities and like how are they coming on brings a whole new meaning to deep state says Liberty Shindig <laughs> you guys try to do a show here Executive family show deliverables and like all of this kind of stuff Charlie says he's responsible for protecting the networks of the federal agencies. So when you say it's like security, like you're protecting the networks of the federal agencies. You, you give all your information to that, that through commerce or everyone. Or, yeah. So you're commerce. protecting the networks. Yes. And I, but I'm not like sitting there coding. Yeah. I'm meeting with like the senior level. All right. That's uh, that's definitely enough. Thank you. We appreciate you very much. Oh, what's Joy Behar doing there? Get her out of here. Play that clip for you a little bit later. No, before I get to some of the bigger stories, I do want to talk a little bit about the Taylor Swift drama because 
it's everywhere. It's in my face. Everybody's talking about it. And it, as someone who is, uh, a, you know, loves Kansas City, Kansas City is my home city. I was raised about 20 miles south of Kansas City on a farm, little town called Peculiar. Uh, and so when I was a kid, whenever we would want to do something fancy, parents would always take us into Kansas City and we'd go to Crown Center or the Plaza. This last Christmas, um, I took my wife Stephanie to stay at a nice hotel downtown uh, and we had a little family party while we were there. And so Kansas City will always have a special place in my heart, of course. So when I see these articles on one of my favorite newspapers like the New York Post that says Chiefs fatigue is real and it's bigger than just Taylor Swift. I feel like I need to weigh in. And I do want to say thank you, Mighty Megatron. He says, release the hounds. So we've raised $23 of our $50 goal. And if we raise $50 by the end of the show, I will release the dogs of war. And you don't want to miss this one. It's a very special piece of bonus content that I created for you. Uh, and if we don't get it by the end of the show, then it goes away forever. So Aww. anyway, so you can blame Taylor Swift if you want, this author says. That's fine. She was already everywhere you turned. Now she's on your television in the sacred space of professional football games. That's fair, he says. You can blame Patrick Mahomes, or more specifically, the fact that his wife, Brittany, squeezes into every camera shot Taylor's in, which also means she's on your TV more than Dr. Rick, trying to prevent young homeowners from becoming their parents. Also fair. So Chiefs fatigue, you know, it's a thing, they say. And what I'm hearing is that People are tired of seeing Taylor Swift. They're tired of seeing Brittany Mahomes. They're tired of seeing like this, this family dynamic that's up on the screen. And a lot of MAGA people are out there attacking her because she voted for and supported Biden in the last election. Okay, well, nobody wants to see that, least of all me. Is a Trump MAGA holy war on Taylor Swift a good idea? No, it's stupid. And one of my good friends from Southwest Missouri, who's a libertarian as well, she posted this yesterday and it got me thinking a little bit more deeply about the backlash against Taylor Swift and uh, the amount of time that she's on the games whenever Kansas City is playing, which when they calculated it up was almost nothing. It, I think uh, they were saying it was like 20 seconds per game, so very minimal time in an 18-minute football game, right? But people are hating it. People are complaining about it. And honestly, I didn't understand why at first. But I, my friend from Southwest Missouri, Debbie Cron, she, she posted this meme that got me thinking yesterday. And it showed the picture of Travis with his arms around Taylor Swift. And they look very happy. And it says, your daughters are watching you hate Taylor Swift for supporting her boyfriend and hearing you complain about her taking 60 seconds of airtime out of a three-hour game. What your daughters are hearing is, be smaller, be less. And then it, you know, chastises and says, you know, do better. Well, here's the picture. I'm sure you've all seen it by now, which I think is a beautiful picture. There's my friend Debbie, Debbie Cron. Um, and they look extremely happy. But what Debbie's comment, what she said on her Facebook page, really stuck with me last night. And I was thinking about it this morning. I, I wanted to share it with you. She's uh, somebody had uh, posted underneath her Facebook page. I don't understand the obsession with her and Travis. She's an excellent singer and artist. He's an excellent ball player. What is the big deal if they're together or not? And my friend Debbie responded to this. She is huge, worth $1.1 billion, powerful and good. He is a future Hall of Famer, the best at what he does, charming and handsome. 
They are the same age and neither have prior marriages. They both have strong family relationships. It's almost too perfect. Seeing the possibility of a fairy tale is welcome in these dark times, in my opinion. And honestly, I think that's a really good point. Thank you, Debbie, for making it. So, really, what are we what are we talking about here? We're talking about a young couple in love that are uh, professionals. It kind of reminds me of that old Taylor Swift quote where she says, "People throw rocks at things that are shiny." Have you ever had this experience in your life? I don't know about you, but I've I've always been sort of a chronic overachiever type, or maybe you could even say, you know, Austin's a bit of a tryhard, uh, and that's true. But people don't like that, and they don't respect that, and they actually will hate you and resent you for it because of this phenomenon that we call crabs in a bucket theory. When people see greatness being achieved at such a zenith, the brightness from that casts a very, very long shadow uh, on, on people who stand in the shadow and like to wallow either in their irrelevance or their lesser status than these people, because either they never achieved that kind of accomplishment in their life, Think about all of the people who watch these professional games and are so envious of the players on the field, either because they twisted their knee when they were in high school and they could have gone right. It, it, a lot of these people who are hating on this relationship between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey remind me of Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. You know what I'm talking about? Where he sits down, and he's like, I could throw a football over them mountains, right? If if I if I hadn't twisted my ankle and in in high in you know seventh grade i could have gone all state no no problem no problem could have gone all the way and throw a football over the mountains you know what i'm saying right there's a lot of resentfulness towards them and i don't like that taylor swift is out there promoting joe biden but the problem is i think is that we drive a lot of these young women into the arms of the democratic voters with our behavior to an extent i might be accused of being guilty of that as well we know what it's thirsty thursday we're going to have Camelia Peterson on to talk about this effect, as well as Danielle, Daniela Pensack, and perhaps they'll give me a good chastising. You'd have to spank Ingrid. You must spank me as well. Oh, yes. Oh, spank me. Yes. <laughs> what movie is that from? But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You can send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319. 319-1586. I really like this point that the author of this article at the New York Post made when he was talking about Chiefs fatigue is a thing. He says, outside of Missouri and Kansas, and the legion of fantasy team owners for whom regularly drafting Mahomes has meant constantly, consistently finishing the money, Chiefs fatigue is 100% a thing. The best explanation is also the easiest explanation in many ways the single most complimentary thing you can ever say about a team or an athlete. They're just good. They're too damn good. The Chiefs didn't used to have any kind of status like this at all. We, like, we spent, as Kansas Cityans, we spent decades in the doghouse with a team that wasn't able to accomplish anything. Now we're the top team in the entire nation. And for us, this is a, this is a shining moment. This is a, a jewel in our crown. This is an opportunity for a small city that people always think are, is in the state of Kansas, and I'll tell you, it's not. Kansas City is in Missouri. The original Kansas City was in Missouri. This is our time to shine. Let us enjoy this, right? It's, this is an opportunity for us to build up our city, a city that in the Midwest, in a red state, with a very wholesome relationship, this, these two people, Travis Kelsey and uh, 
and Taylor Swift getting together and building what looks to be a fairy tale for many women across the country who see it as such. So, uh, you know, here, here's what I think is a really good point, too, in, in terms of a, the recipe for Chiefs fatigue. A lot of Chiefs fans are aggrieved by this, right? People like us. Um, but this is considered to be the highest form of flattery because this has happened before. The NBA's Warriors not only experienced this, but they perfected it. The Patriots copyrighted it. The Yankees trademarked it. Duke basketball still dines on it. The Cowboys may have invented it, even if hardly anyone on earth is still, uh, is still alive who remembers why. So this Chiefs fatigue that people are experiencing is just because people get tired of seeing someone be number one for too long and sort of you know, rubbing everybody else's faces in it to an extent, right? So I remember when I was a kid, it used to be the Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys used to be the team to beat. The Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders were plastered all over every locker room that we you were ever in growing up. The Patriots the same way. You know, is when you're that dominant, people get tired of it, right? And that's why a lot of people were upset to see the San Francisco 49ers go on because they wanted to see the Detroit Lions underdogs come in and see a, you know, an unconventional matchup versus a more conventional matchup in a Super Bowl, Chiefs versus the 49ers. So I get it. But in terms of like the whole family dynamic here, we should celebrate this family dynamic. Think about this. I, I have never once had a single complaint from anyone about my wife joining me on the Wake Up America show. Right? I've never had one complaint about my brother, Justin, joining us on the Wake Up America show. I, I bring my family into this because one, I'm proud of them. Two, I love them. Three, they're good at this. And I think that they make great guests on the show. It's not just nepotism, right? It's not just Austin just wants to have his wife on there, you know, because she's cute and she'll get the viewers and right. And, and she just is, is married to him. Fact is, is that they're very good at this and they're, you could have that. It's the same dynamic to a much smaller extent, extent, a micro extent to what you see with Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Don't be a, a humbug, like enjoy seeing what we as conservatives and libertarians support, which is wholesome relationships, wholesome, healthy relationships between couples that are what are going to drive our nation forward. I mean, think about it. Corn fed, you know, Missouri boy, Travis Kelsey, Midwestern boy comes in and, uh, you know, he's, he's a good boy, has a healthy relationship with his family. You're always seeing his family out there and they're celebrating with Taylor Swift. Taylor's never been married before. She doesn't have kids. Yes, she's had tumultuous relationships in her past, but who hasn't? And if they end up getting married, imagine if Ta Travis Kelsey asks Taylor Swift to marry him after he wins the Super Bowl. I mean, that's going to be a beautiful moment. I personally don't watch football, says KV Andy. Don't much care. Somehow sports stuff still rolls across my social media. Everything I saw, the Chiefs weren't going to make it past the Bills. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so I understand people who watch football, why they might feel a little bit of fatigue about this, unless they're Kansas City Chiefs fans, in which case, you know, enjoy it, right? We have the biggest star in the world buying a house in Kansas City bringing prestige. The economy of Kansas City is growing. It's booming right now. It's a boom town. It's a beautiful city. If you've never been there, I highly recommend that you visit it. There's a lot of fun things to do. There's great food and a lot of activities. My favorite thing to do is the World War I Museum. So if you find yourself in Kansas City, 
visit the Liberty Memorial in the World War One Museum, uh, which reminds me, speaking of World War One, uh, don't forget today that the bonus content, Unleash the Dogs of War, if you'd like to see it. We're about $25 away from finishing our goal so that you guys can see the dogs of war. Uh, make sure that you drop in a Rumble rant today if you're enjoying the content. Click like and subscribe. That's still free. But if you pay me, uh, <laughs> good fellas, if you pay me, then you get to unlock the dogs of war today. And I hope you will. I hope you will. So anyways, the, to, put, to wrap a bow around this, I will just say that I hope that more people will appreciate wholesome family relationships, seeing couples getting together, falling in love, a Midwest town that nobody ever knew anything about before five years ago. And let us have our moment in the sun. It will pass. This will go away. This too shall pass and you'll be able to watch the teams of your choosing lose and no one cares about us and no pop superstars are talking about us and the economy can continue to go to hell. So if that if those are the days that you're longing for, I'm sorry, but I'm not with it. With it. I'm looking forward to having a family of my own. I'm going to be a dad. I'm so excited. To be honest, I'm overflowing with joy. I can't wait to see my little bundle of joy. My sweet little baby will, boy or girl, we don't know yet, which about six weeks from now we'll know, uh, will be born at either the 4th of July, which <laughs> would be a little bit early, or the end of July. Ur's mommy, she dropped $10 in the tip jar and says, anything dogs I need to support. Thank you. We appreciate you very much, Ur's mommy. So if we raise $10 more, we will unleash the dogs of war to the end of the show. Going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here I come, says Luke Sacker. Yes, Somniferum says, love to visit Missouri. Beautiful country. Couldn't live without a coastline, though. I completely understand. I get it. All right, what uh, what else did I have for you cooked up today? Let's take a look here. Get rid of the Swifty stuff. I know some people, it, at some point you do get a little bit of the cheese fatigue, right? Here's what Joy Behar has to say about comedy and dictators. She's sort of riffing on the point that I was making the other day about how comedy is good to take down dictators, but Joy Behar somehow believes the opposite. I thought it was kind of ironic. Did you hear me talking about that yesterday in the last few days of the show, how I've been talking about how important comedy is to make fun of people, to ridicule dictators? Of course, Jay Be Joy Behar is going to say the complete opposite thing because she's retarded. Take a listen. That he is one of the most dangerous people of my lifetime to ever be in the Oval, Oval Office. Right. He is probably the, the most dangerous. Right. So you have somebody like, and he doesn't have a good sense of humor. No, we all know no that at the correspondence dinner, when President Obama made a joke about him, that was his, the beginning his, of the skin, yeah. his skin is thinner than his hair. Yeah. And, and, and he got so pissed off that okay. he had a... Notice, notice something interesting about this, Joy Behar. So what is she doing here? She's attacking Donald Trump. His skin is as thin as his hair, okay? She's body shaming him. Think about that. Role reverse that for just a moment. Gender reversal on that one, right? If it was a fat chick, right? And they're like, oh, look, she's, uh, her, uh, her, or something is as fat as her waistline. How do you think that the country would react if somebody did something like that? It's okay to body shame men. It's, it's fine to body shame men, but if you put that in reverse, sexist, misogynist, homophobe, makes no sense. To run for president and go after poor Obama, who was born in this country.
or Obama born in this country. I'm sorry, but uh, ma'am, but Kenya is not the 51st state. He is a menace. So I present that to this panel. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Yeah, that's my the problem is that, the, <laughs> yeah. that hate and fear are dividing things. It pits people against each other on purpose. Comedy is uniting, which is why comedy is always where I go when things are the scariest in life. Mm. You need someone to keep us laughing about what makes <laughs> <laughs> Anything. That's true. She but, didn't but, have to. She just made a face. No, but, but Sarah, Sarah, that is true. That's what I'm trying to say. And this is for like sub 40 IQ people. Yes. Right here. But the man doesn't take it. Because no, no, but doesn't it make I'm it more funny? Us. They made fun of Hitler. Charlie Chaplin made fun of Hitler in 1940. By 1945, millions and millions I mean, of people else. were dead. Everyone so else. Everyone else. Audience needs. Wait, 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 wait. It's easy to get lost in the sauce here when we're listening to these idiots because your brain's kind of. I don't know about you. But when you start to hear stupid people talking over one another like this, doesn't your brain kind of like start to shut down and kind of like it's kind of like a defense mechanism where like my ears start to close immediately and like it, it starts just blocking it out. So let's go back here because like it was naturally doing this to me. OK, Wh what is what is Joy Behar saying about Charlie Chaplin and dictator? That's true. But, she but, didn't have to. She just made a face. No, but, but true that's what i'm trying to say yes. here but the man doesn't take it because no, no, but doesn't it make I'm it more funny us. they made fun of hitler charlie chaplin made fun of hitler in 1940 by 1945 millions and I millions mean, of people else. were dead everyone so else you the have... audience needs to laugh the people need to laugh yeah. i don't i don't care i'm not checking on but because he's so like, i need everyone else to be but because okay. he's so thin-skinned isn't it just funnier when he's mocked? No, but it makes him so angry. It makes him angry. I don't know what he's going to do next. I mean, let, 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 he can make a joke about, about him and he'll annihilate the, the whole world. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on here? What are they talking about? Uh, there's, so Joy Behar, she's a comedian, okay? But she says that comedy can create dictators. That's her argument. Comedy can create dictators, right? So she kind of blames Obama for creating Trump, and she blames Charlie Chaplin for creating Hitler and the Holocaust. What? Oh, no, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Charlie Chaplin created Hitler by making people laugh. I just, it's just... Anyway, speaking of things that are funny, this is hilarious. A woke Australian family put up a sign that says the land belongs to traditional owners, the Wurundjeri. But when they showed up, they wouldn't let them in. This is friggin' hilarious. Hello. Hello. Daniel, park here on the wall. Where the Wurundjeri? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen the sign. All right. See, we're a bit. We saw your sign there and we thought, oh, I yeah. don't know about that. No, it just us. No, we, we, won't, we won't be much trouble. With a sign. We are proud to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. <laughs> yes! I love it. They said they show up to these people's houses, I mean, dressed in full native regalia here, and they are showing up and saying, we saw your sign that we are the traditional owners of this land, 
they acknowledge it, and they so the Warren Cherry tribe shows up and is like, "We'd like to stay here." Oh, yeah, it's a sign. Oh, we'll just live in the in the back of the house. There's some local rabbits we can hunt down and grab, cook it up. If you like rabbit, we can. They don't have anything to eat. They're like, "Oh, there's some local rabbits. If you like, we can cook it up." It's some wicked grub for why weren't they getting their land back? We could just set up a fire right here and then look at the Aussie who's sitting back there with his binoculars watching a go down. He's like, all right, crikey. I didn't understand. This so wasn't going as well as I expected. We've got a dot patent here if you want one to hang up. A what? A dot patent? Yeah, we've got some patents for it. You can come in and have a cup of tea, but I don't know about the rest of it. Like, <laughs> let me ask you a question: Are you seeing these kinds of clips anywhere else? Are you watching any other podcasts? First of all, why are you cheating on me? How dare How you? How dare you? But secondly, if you are, and I know that you are, then are you seeing these kinds of clips? You know you're going to see them here first on the Wake Up America show, right? So give thanks. And you click like and subscribe to the channel. If it's your first time here watching the show, I know that you'll love it. So make sure you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We stream the show live. Make sure you click like and subscribe. And if you'd like to have your voice heard, you can send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, the text line's open. Let's hear from you today at 573-319-1586. Yeah, it was awesome, right, Somniferum? Remember's <laughs> <laughs> mommy says, I just cannot eat Bugs Bunny. I've never had rabbit. Um, I, I try and avoid rodents in general, right? Um, I like this clip that I saw on Fox News the other day. I think this guy made a good point when he's talking about third-party candidates and Robert F. Kennedy Jr., which, by the way, did you see the scandal that blew up overnight in, with Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? I'll try and see if I can find the video for you here. But take a listen to this. I think this is a good point. Uh, the only people who are looking for a third-party option are Democrats, uh, who, are, for obvious reasons, because Joe Biden is that uninspiring. Uh, but uh, And the other problem with this is that, you know, Donald Trump is sort of he is the quintessential third party candidate. He has he has come into our politics uh, from neither party and he has disrupted both parties. And that's why so many people love him. Yeah, I think I agree with that, to be honest. I think. <laughs> because Trump is so unique and so different from what the Republican Party used to be, and even in recent history and what the Democratic Party is. And Trump has run as a third party, or at least he tried to um, he tried to run, I believe, as president on the Reform Party ticket. So he's kind of independent in many ways. He has, you know, he has caucused outside of mainstream party politics for a long time. And I actually do see Trump as very much a third party candidate because he was very not very much not of the Republican Party establishment before he came in kicked the door down and started said, hey, I run this this place now. And, you know, people who are looking at Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as a third party candidate, I think, are probably kidding them, themselves. You know, it's let me see if I can find my buddy Namrock Namrock over on Instagram so I can show you this video. Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s had a had a little Robert F. Kennedy Jr. had a little bit of a scandal last night. Namrock. 
He's one of my meme buddies there on Instagram. He always creates some of the freshest memes. I highly recommend that you follow him if you don't already. All right, I'm going to try and find. Here we go. So, <laughs> uh, just as a little PG-13, FYI, not not rated R, but PG-13. This is uh, uh, Namrock Namrock's Instagram page where he made this little ditty last night of uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, checking out that badonkadonk. Now you can see there that's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on TikTok, and here's a healthy young lady. Uh, and what are we seeing? What's happening right here? So, so what's happening is is that you have this young lady on TikTok who is showing off her healthy badunk. And then when you look at the comments, if you pause it here, you can see Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s comment underneath this healthy badunkadunk, and he says, "Wow." I think that's fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji. Yes. Simping on thirst traps is low quality behavior, says Diana Death Official. Yes. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. simping on thirst traps. I also like the meme that he made for it showing Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as a priest being tempted by a harlot, a harridan, uh, who is trying to get him to betray his what? He's married to Cheryl Hines, the lady from... Um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know, the lady who played his uh, Larry David's wife on Curb Your Enthusiasm. This is funny stuff. Uh, that's uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who may be running on the third party ticket as a uh, libertarian. Yeah, which would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be weird to see Robert F. Kennedy Jr. running for president as a libertarian? Honestly, I can see it happening, though. I really like this uh, gentleman, Mark Lamb, who's running for Senate in Arizona, talking about the border and uh, the crisis that we're facing down south. Take a listen to this. Hey, folks, you may remember about a month ago, I put out a video saying that when many of these illegals are getting processed or people claiming asylum, they're getting a cell phone, they're getting a plane ticket across this country, and then even getting gift cards, some of them even getting cash. Well, the media went to work really fast to try to debunk me and say that I was putting out false information. Verify said it was false information. Well, this is just one of the reports we've seen recently. Now the UN is saying that they were handing out up to $1.6 billion through NGOs to illegal immigrants for things like gift cards and cash. Gift cards like this. We find these all over on the other side of the border and on our side of the border. And we find them with the folks that we pull over and stop that have come into this country illegally. Guess who pays for those, right? Who funds the United Nations? We do. So once again, I'm here to remind you that the information that the mainstream media feeds you is what's false. If you want the real information, continue to come right here to SheriffLamb.com and right here on my social media. And we're going to keep giving you the information, especially as it relates to the border. And once you send me back to the U.S. Senate back in Washington, D.C., we're going to start to fix this border situation. God bless everybody. I gotta say, I really like that Mark Lamb, smart dude. Apparently, Ur's mommy already knows who he is. Says, "I love Mark Lamb." You see that? That's the uh, senior senator from Missouri. There, Josh Hawley. I'll clip here in just a few minutes. Wanted to remind you as we're headed towards the end of the first hour of the Wake Up America show that we have almost raised enough to release the hounds. And create bonus content for the Wake Up America show that you can unlock by making Rumble Rant donations. And we've already received $40 towards our $50 goal. 
So if you'd like to see me release the dogs of war, then do us a favor. Make a Rumble Rant donation right now, either on your phone, if you're capable of doing so, or at your computer. If we get another $10 by the end of the show, then I will release the dogs of war. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. If we don't hit our goal, then that exclusive piece of content goes away, disappears forever, and you don't get to see it. So if you want to make sure that you get that extra special bonus content, and if you've enjoyed what we've seen, you've seen for the last two days, this one is even better. Definitely have topped what I produced for the last two days. So make sure that you make a rumble rant uh, of at least $10, and we will get the, the Dogs of War unleashed for you today on the Wake Up America show. Mm, I got so many great clips to play for you. I, I was almost going to play the clip of that Civil War movie that I'm really excited to watch again, but we're getting down towards the end of this hour, and I'm going to have Camelia Peterson on the show in about 15 minutes. CJ Rocks, she's going to talk to us a little bit about this national poll that I was reading a little bit earlier about Biden opening up a lead on Trump amid the growing gender gap. Now, this is a little bit misleading, but let's take a look at it because it leads into my next segment perfectly. President Biden has opened up, opened up a six-point lead in a hypothetical head-to-head -head matchup with Donald Trump. We all know it's not hypothetical. We all know it's going to happen. Um, and uh, this, so this new Quinnipiac University poll found Biden with 50% support among registered voters ahead of Trump's 44%. So a broad national poll between Trump and Biden shows Biden leading by a few points, right? Several points, six points. All right, here's what it says. There's a shift in the incumbent's favor from December when the same poll found the Trump uh, the hypothetical too close to call, Biden was at 47 and Trump at 46. Biden's scored a majority support among independents in the latest findings, 52% to Trump's 40%. And here's the key part here next. The poll additionally found a growing gender gap when it comes to support for the current and former presidents as they each run for their second White House term. 58% of women say they support Biden up from 53% in December. There you go. Uh, and it's probably because of all the Taylor Swift hate, right? <laughs> Telling you that holy war, uh, by the MAGA holy war on Taylor Swifties is not going to go well for us. So the gender demographic tells a story to keep an eye, eye on. Propelled by female voters in just the last few weeks, the head-to-head -head tie with Trump morphs into a modest lead for Biden. And guess who votes more often than men? It's the women. Yikes. No, God! No, God, please, no! It's no! true. No! Now, Biden no! faces a small handful of long-shot challenger bids on the Democratic side. The GOP race, of course, is down to a two-person race between Trump and Nikki Haley. Haley's hanging on, despite many people calling for her to drop out and consolidate power behind the presidential incumbent. And she's leaning into an electability argument. She's trying to say that Donald Trump lost in 2020. He's going to lose again in 2024. And she's pointing to polls like these to say that she fares better in a head-to-head -head against, uh, against Biden. Now, while Biden beat Trump in this head-to-head -head test, the Quinnipiac poll found Haley besting the incumbent in a separate hypothetical. So this poll is showing as Nikki Haley will lead Joe Biden. And she does much better with women and with independents. Now, here's the thing to consider with this. The poll was conducted January 25th through 26th around, around, uh, among 1,650 self-identified registered voters nationwide, 
and it had a margin of error plus or minus 2.4 percentage points. That's actually a fairly high margin of error, and it's a poll nationwide. Here's the truth, though. It doesn't matter overall in a broad spectrum what people are saying in a national poll. That's useless, right? These are polls that are conditioned to try, candidates use them in order to try and, and shape public opinion. That, that is, this is a perfect example of that. The polls that really matter, and as someone who knows like polls can be BS and, under, and has used polls in the past to try and shape narratives, uh, I'll admit it, I've done it. The real polls that matter are the poll are the aggregates of multiple polls, not one poll, but an aggregate of multiple polls. And what really matters are the polls, the aggregate of the polls in the battleground states, because since we're not a democracy, the popular vote doesn't elect anybody. So to some extent, broad national poll polls are horse apples, right? Donald Trump leads Joe Biden where it matters in the all seven swing states by margins of up to 10 points. These are the ones that matter, not just because they confirm biases, but because they are the states that are going to decide the president. They are the states that Biden won last time in order to secure the presidency. And these are an aggregate of polls, not one poll, but an aggregate of them. So his strongest lead over Biden is in North Carolina. He's 10 points high above him. I mean, double digit lead over Biden. He's also got strong eight-point leads over Biden in Nevada and Georgia, and of course, we all know what happened in those states last time. Five-point leads in Wisconsin and Michigan, and well, a little bit tighter in Pennsylvania and Arizona, where Trump has got a three-point lead. But we're headed for a situation where Donald Trump is likely to be the next president of the United States if these trends continue. But my prediction is, is that if we continue to ramp up the hostile rhetoric against the ladies, myself included, it's quite likely that, well, we all might end up like looking at down the barrel of four more years of Joe Biden. No, no. God! No, It's God, true whether please, we like it or not. No! no. It's true. No. Whether we like no. it or not, I highly recommend that you visit our uh, sponsors, quickrxstore.com. Our friends over at quickrxstore.com have got a coupon for you to save 10% on your prescription drugs. Take a look and a listen from our daily sponsor. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Hope everybody's feeling good. Happy Black History Month. Glad to have you here. It's February 1st, and happy birthday to my little sister, Jody Brooke Peterson. And she just happens to be tuning in. Jody, happy birthday. Appreciate you very much. If you like the show today, don't forget, you got to click that like button and subscribe to the channel. Come back and join us here five days a week, Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, the Wake Up America show streams live. We've been adding a bunch of new content. We've got lots of great regular guests. One will be joining me here in just a few seconds. But FYI, for those who aren't aware, we are so close to hitting our goal to unlock the bonus content for today. Every day I produce fresh new bonus content for the Wake Up America show. But in order to unlock it, you've got to send your Rumble Rants in. And we've raised $40 so far. Give it up. Thank you. But that means we've got, well, about one hour to raise 10 more dollars so we can hit our goal. Or if we don't, then the dogs of war just go away. 
don't let it happen. You definitely want to check out this amazing new piece of content that I created for you today about the dogs of war. So send in your Rumble Rant donation right now. $10 is enough to unlock the bonus content and you guys will get to enjoy it. After my next guest, Camelia Peterson, joins us live right now from Dallas. Good morning, CJ. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good to have you here. Glad to have you here. So I'm going to pull up this video that I thought, was it you that sent this to me yesterday or someone else? But maybe I sent it to you because something like this definitely would come across my timeline with the types of likes and uh, follows that I have. Oh, uh, yeah. But Tim Pool <laughs> says, my vaccine bro is thirsty. LOL. Uh, here is a little video. This is um, uh, a healthy young lady who's taking a video of herself in the mirror. And then as you scroll up from the comment section, you can see there in the comments as they click over from TikTok, then none other than third party candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. checking out that thing, uh, that badonkadonk saying, wow, with fire emojis, or at least maybe heart emojis. I can't see it's kind of small. So thirsty, thirsty bro. I thought he was married. Your take on that, CJ. <laughs> so it's the internet, right? Who knows? <laughs> it, it has been fun to speculate about. Uh, I will say so. Yeah, I you did send me that. And literally, I had I had just seen it like five seconds before that it had popped up on my Twitter. And you saw it, I think, on Instagram. But um, one of the things that I was telling you that I saw on the, the Twitter uh post was that there was somebody who it was a big account i don't remember who it was um but anyway supposedly knows robert f kennedy jr and said oh this was you know uh, a friend of theirs who had lost like 200 pounds and they didn't think she was going to walk again or something she'd be able to really been working hard on herself and so you know rfk and his wife both were sitting there together and they're like cheering her on and you know maybe who knows <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> This is the conspiracy theory for why Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is posting right. on, on thirst traps. I would still think that even if that was the situation, the case with like that kind of a, it's not, it's not a, well, I guess it is kind of a lewd, right? Not a nude, but a lewd uh, that you would want to, oh, yeah. you would want to avoid commenting on something like that, uh, a lewd photo like that. Well, probably. I mean, there's a lot of lot of cheek showing there, but yeah. Well, the funny part about the person who was, you know, giving this explanation was that he said that his wife was sitting there, and I don't know if he said she was typing it or what. But anyway, he said that's why there's two of the smiley face emoji with the heart eyes because it's oh. for him and her. Oh, for right? him and her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm sure yeah. that makes it makes perfect sense. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, in uh, more serious news, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. posted a tweet yesterday that you were sending to me and saying, damn, since oh it's Black History Month. Oh, my gosh. Uh, let me just read this out loud. So Joe Biden is campaigning in South Carolina right now. Tomorrow is the first day of Black History Month. Let's reminisce on everything he's done for black Americans. Mm. Here we go. He authored the 1994 crime bill, which led to the mass incarceration of black people, said if you don't vote for him, then you ain't black. <laughs> Extended penalties for people under 21 charged with selling marijuana, endorsed segregationist senators, and opposed busing because he didn't want his kids to grow up in a racial jungle. Oh my God. <laughs> he killed him. 
was like, stop, he's dead already. <laughs> it doesn't you, take much these days, right? <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Your reaction. Uh, oh, yeah. I was just like, holy cow, damn. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, what's, what makes this so great is it's someone from his own side. Like this, it, it'd be a totally different thing if it was, you know, somebody that was a Republican that was running against him that was saying this, but it's not. It's somebody who is primarying him on his own side, just as. Oh, was. Now he's uh, gone in. Oh, well, that's true. Sorry. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's flirting with running as a libertarian. We talked about this. Yes. Yeah. I keep forgetting he left. Um, yeah. And I really do think that. Uh, there is debate, I know, about whether or not RFK will get on the LP ticket or not. But, well, I tell you what, if he does, I do think that there is real potential for him to shake up this election. And I know that we talked about who is who would he take votes from, right? Is he going to take more votes from Trump? Is he going to take more votes, votes from Biden? And I don't know, if you look at that poll that came out and the breakdown, I think he takes more Trump votes from Trump. It's quite possible. I mean, he may take an equal amount from both sides. And there have been a lot of polls historically that have showed the same thing, that with exit polling, people coming out of the ballot box, that the number of people who voted libertarian were pretty much equal between Democrats and Republicans, right? So it'd be interesting to see if Robert F. Kennedy Jr. could pull something like that off. But if he does, and he's, he's quote unquote, steals the election from Trump, there's going to be a lot of mad bros out there. But anyways, it doesn't matter because he's not going to become the president. So let's talk about more important things, Camelia, like the problem that Trump might have with the ladies. I mean, were you listening to the show a little bit earlier on when I was talking about the Trump MAGA holy war against the Taylor Swifties? Yeah, I keep seeing this like it's all over, you know, Twitter right now, the, this MAGA war. <laughs> like, is it? And I tell you what my first thought was, was like, is it really, is there really this MAGA war against Taylor Swift? Or is this a media thing to kind of like drum up all of this drama and, you know, divisiveness to make it seem like there is? I don't know. Like, is it really that big an issue? I don't know. But it, it, I read a really good article yesterday about um, the uh, like online, the, the online right being very weird. Um, I think it was like Ross Duthat over at the New York mm. Times. And it was like, it was about uh, Trump. Let's see if I can find it. So, about how like the left would lose so much worse. It, the right's abnormality problem. Here it is. Taylor Swift, Donald Trump, and the right's abnormality problem. This is a good stuff where he talks about there was a brief period in the, in the late in the COVID-19 pandemic between the moment when Glenn Youngkin swept into the Virginia governorship and the full political return of Trump when I became convinced American liberalism was headed for a truly epical defeat in 2024. So he says that it seemed that under the influence of progressive radicalism, institutional groupthink, and coronavirus fears, the liberal establishment was untethering itself from American normalcy to a political, politically suicidal degree. He, and so he goes on talking about a double-masked bureaucrat running a white privileged workshop forever. Hilarious. But then he says, the reason that liberalism is, is surviving its disconnect from what remains of American normalcy is conservatism's inability to just be normal itself, even for a minute. You know that meme online where it shows like the mom turning around and screaming at her child. She's like, well, can't you just be normal for once? And he's like, 
Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's yeah. and he's talking about this in the background of the conservative hostility against Taylor Swift, right? Because obviously she supported, you know, Joe Biden the last election, right? But he says that you know the online's reaction doesn't make any sense, and it just goes to show just kind of how weird the online right really truly is, right? And this is this Newton's third law of culture wars, right? Equal opposite reaction. I think this is exactly what we're seeing. And we've talked about this before. The problem on the right is that in their reaction to the left, they re they end up reacting in the same extreme way. And so they end up confirming what the other side is saying about them in a lot of ways. And so it is it's self-defeating and we lose <laughs> we lose the plot. Yeah, so, I like. Yeah, I love this next piece. He, part of the piece, he says, normally you can't scroll for more than a few minutes through right wing social media without encountering some kind of meme valorizing the old ways of jocks and beauties, be big bearded men and the women who love them, heteronormative American romance and some kind of throwback form. He says the quest of the right to make uh, of the rights anti Swiftism has encouraged weak attempts to suggest that the Swift Kelsey romance is somehow subverting these traditionalist archetypes and modeling a more progressive idea of romance because she's richer and more famous than he is and respects her career, right? So they're basically one step removed from a Bay Area polyamorous relationship, right? But it's not, right? Like, in, no. in, it's a traditional, normal, like, heteronormative ro romance, is it not? I mean, do you see him going to her all the time? Like, what is happening here? She's coming to him all the time. She's at every game. She's cheering him on. She's playing that supportive role. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not sure what else you could ask for. Yeah, and I like this next part, too, where he says, this is a story where a famous pop star abandons her country roots. She spends years dating unsuccessfully in a pool of Hollywood creeps and angsty musicians only to find true love in the arms of a bearded heartland football star who runs a podcast with his equally bearded, happily married, easily inebriated older brother. I mean, this is a Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movie, right? This is an allegory. <laughs> this is a right wing meme. Yeah, I, I don't I don't get it. Um, I just think that we are in this digital culture of we have to have something to be outraged about. And it really just doesn't matter what it is anymore, as long as you just got to be mad about something. That's something I've heard a lot, just even locally in Missouri, you know, when you talk about what goes on in the legislature and in the grassroots and things like that in politics is that it just, it feels like a lot of times people just want to be mad. They want to be mad about something. They don't know how to to fix it or they can't really easily define or what they decide that they think they're mad about is something that is nebulous and they don't have a fix for it. They don't have a solution for it. But by George, you know, somebody's got to do something about it and we're mad and we're not going to take it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like and their anger at uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift is is just for something so mild, uh, uh, a heresy like Taylor Swift is very blandly liberal right it's not like she's not like some radical burn the bra right you know, left-wing socialist feminist or something right right she's not like aoc and then travis kelsey his heresy is that he supported the vaccine and has encouraged people to go out and get vaccinated which you know most 
you know, boomers and people like that who are out there did get vaccinated, right? So it's I like, mean, who if you, who yeah. else was doing that? Who who else was supporting and promoting oh, yeah. the vaccine oh, in Could it be Donald Trump, the uh, the, the head of Operation Warp Speed, right? They'll forgive Maybe. Donald Trump for that, right? But it's like, <laughs> but you could just you could just feel there's a lot of insecurity on the right. Like, like I'm someone who believes that we do need to have a return to like a traditional masculinity in in many ways. Not to say that that should be forced or you know it should be policed. But that we do have suffer from a bit of a crisis of having good, strong sure. men in this country who are healthy fathers and to appreciate and respect the role that men play in our society. But I do think that there is a lot. I think insecure males tend to be the ones who push that the hardest, right? That that, that those meme accounts, those right wing meme accounts that are like trad cons and you never see their face and they show like home and Ro holy Roman empires and shit like those guys aren't like beefcake, huge dudes with beards. They wouldn't have the, those kind of guys don't have the time because they're out there on the football field, you know, dating Taylor Swift, right? So the insecurity on the right is feeding into, I think, this, this disconnect between women and men. And certainly I think it plays into a lot of the angst that female voters have for Donald Trump. What do you think? Well, I do. And I think this is like this, that overreaction that we see. We talk about the masculinity movement, red pill movement, whatever you want to call it. Um, there is that that reaction that tends to put out this messaging that uh, all women are bad. And, you know, this is and, you know, anytime I talk to somebody kind of in that those circles about that, they're like, well, there are exceptions. Well, OK, but if you're constantly talking like there are not exceptions, how do you this is a self-fulfilling prophecy you're telling women this is the way you are and so we are going to uh, game you because we know your nature and that this is just the way you are so we're going to treat you accordingly and and play a game that's going to get you to behave in the way that we want you to behave and it really um you know but at the same time they want women to be responsible for their behavior and say that they have agency but in a lot of ways, they take away agency by by it's the uh, oh, the low expectations, you know, so, I mean, they just they're setting the bar so low for them that they're just they're they're telling them that this is how you are. And so I don't know how they expect them to be any better. Nobody gets better by being put down all the time. So I, I think that that's a huge mistake that's being made in not in that what they're saying is untrue but that there's no balance to it. Now, caveat, there are content creators and people who are putting good material out there who are balanced in their approach, but obviously they don't get, you know, as much airtime as everybody else does. Oh, and they never will <laughs> just because like, there's no interest in, in things like that. We go online to find content and things that are going to be weird and wild and wacky and entertain us and be a little bit more interesting. And we're going to go into echo chambers because they're so much more comfortable uh, and and I think that's one thing that, you know, is a challenge for people like myself who are building a show like this, because I do consider myself pretty extreme and radical in my views as a libertarian Republican. But then sometimes when I see there, there are people who are, I won't say to the right of me, but they're just to the weird of me, right? Who are like, maybe we agree on most of the issues, but I'm not with them, right? Like, I don't want to be seen with them because it's kind of like, you are so batshit insane and bonkers, and and the 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 grifters of the right take advantage of that of the of the dopes 
who are willing, who have to, who demand conformity on 100% of issues where it's like, you know, you, I agree even more with the radical right, far more than I do the moderate right, right? I don't like, I don't, I don't caucus with moderates. I don't hang out with moderates. I find their bland authoritarianism quite distasteful and their heresies on things like prescription drug monitoring programs. And I'm resentful when, you know, a, a woman in a pantsuit shows up to power play me to support right. some, you know, let's stop the, the let's fund babies in, in the state of Missouri by giving forking over taxpayer cash and all that stuff. Right. <laughs> so I, I'm much more of a radical than I am a moderate. But like, damn, these these radicals are absolutely driving voters away from a, a, our core radical message of liberty. Are they not? They are. And the thing is, is like, who who moves the needle? Who actually gets things done? Because the radical elements of the right now are making a lot of noise. And it's this idea that you want somebody to fight for you. Um, you know, and nothing else matters as long as they fight. But do they win? Like, are we moving the needle on actual policy, on actual change in it's the right direction? It is performative. Absolutely. We're Word of the year um, is performative because that is what we see, whether I mean, and that's not what we see not only in politics, but also in the culture war stuff. It, it is largely performative. Um, you're not actually, a, I mean, some. Now, I will say that we are seeing some actual progress on the culture side of things, but there is so much of what we see that is performative. And I've gotten to where lately, like, it is just, um, it's so difficult to to listen to all of the screaming and yelling about things, but then they refuse to actually make a plan and a strategy to work with people to get things done. Because if you have two highly polarized sides and you know, and it turns inward, even within the right, um, how do you make progress? Um, yes, are you having to go to war? Okay, fine. But if you're so equally divided at some point, you're not going to be winning if you're also at the same time not going to be changing hearts and minds. And I've gotten to where on the right, I would rather work with people that I only agree with 80% of the time. Um, you know. if, if they if they actually are getting something accomplished for our ideas right, a little right. bit. Uh, I got to pause and say thank you to Mighty Megatron who just dropped $5 in the tip jar. Thank you, sir. We are $5 away now, just $5 oh. away from releasing the hounds. Have you been enjoying the uh, enjoying the little bit of extra bonus content we've been give, giving you, Camelia? Yes, I am intrigued to see what the dogs of war. Oh, is you're going to like it especially. Yes. This is this is one you're going to know for sure this one if it okay. gets if the, if the dog gets released, you it's a familiar hound of hell for for you, but um <laughs> But, okay. but I, produ I produced it in a, in a very special way that I think people really appreciate. So if we do raise five more dollars before the end of the hour, so 40 minutes away, then we will release the hounds. I'm speaking to Camelia Peterson, who joins us every Tuesday and Thursday on the show. We appreciate her very much. Joining us from Dallas, Texas. I'm Austin Peterson, the host of the Wake Up America show. Click like on the channel and subscribe right now. Do it right now and we'll be very grateful and hopefully you'll join us five days a week, Monday through Friday. But if you like Camellia the best, and I know many of you do, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 a.m. is her schedule. So open up your phone and click that calendar app, open it up, set it to the time so that you can come back and join us, especially when Camellia is here. So is the way to improve the rights relationship with women to do what Donald Trump does and to cave on abortion a little bit? Uh, I don't know that that's the answer. Are you sure? Because 
a lot of people yeah. do think that the, you know, and I see the Democrats are out there in this election year, like they're sure. talking about abortion a lot. They want to make this year about abortion. And Donald Trump is admittedly, while he says he's pro-life, a little bit more moderate on the issue. And he even said, quote, that, well, he you have to win elections. Somebody talked to me a little bit about this here a few months ago and asked the question, you know, in a in a swing district, so to speak, where, where it is close. Um, do you think the right strategy is to what you just said, soft pedal these things, you know, temper them a little bit, moderate, or is the answer to lean into it? And his take was that the answer is to lean into it. And I'm inclined to agree with that because I don't think that you have to sacrifice your principles. I do think that the distinction that we need to make is in our messaging and how we do it. Because, oh my word, I have seen like in, a, in Missouri that is a, a red, red, red state, but yet there have been seats that we have lost in the general election because the messaging is so, so terrible. You don't have to compromise on your principles, but you do have to be smart in knowing your audience and messaging to that audience. And that doesn't mean that you lay all of your cards out on the table. You don't have to be dishonest about it, but you don't have to lay it all out there either. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. It's a good point. Camelia Peterson, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? Uh, no, just, you know, talk to somebody today um, that There's you disagree with. But, you know, we need, to, we need to do more of that, right? Get some friends who aren't just in your bubble. <laughs> I know. Weren't you telling people that a while back? <laughs> I was, yeah. My libertarian friends, they just don't seem to do it. We all seem to live in our little bubbles, and we got to get out of them and talk to people who don't agree with us on everything, like I did in San Francisco last week. Camelia, follow you, rare camellia on x.com. We appreciate you very much. Have a wonderful day and a safe trip back home from Dallas. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you very much. What do you guys think of Camellia Peterson? Isn't she lovely? Yes, she is. She always does a great job and she's our regular guest Tuesdays and Thursdays and a big supporter of the Wake Up America show. We appreciate Camellia. Good news is, guess what? It's time to release the hounds. We did it. Every day, I create a new piece of bonus content for the Wake Up America show, and you can unlock that bonus content when you make a Rumble rant. Thanks to Nancy Solorio and Quest Fanning, who finished it off, we crossed the $50 mark. You have unlocked the bonus, which means that it's time today to release the hounds. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Enjoy. Military hero dog of World War One. Stubby, a stray dog, became the mascot of the 102nd Infantry during World War I after wandering into the camp. His journey from a homeless pup to a celebrated war hero begins here. As the 102nd Infantry trained and prepared for war, Stubby was smuggled aboard the SS Minnesota, bound for France. His presence uplifted the spirits of the American soldiers amid the harsh realities of trench warfare. Stubby's contributions to the war effort included detecting gas attacks and alerting soldiers, demonstrating remarkable bravery and intelligence on the battlefield. During a raid in April 1918, Stubby was injured by a grenade but quickly recovered, earning him a custom-made uniform to display his medals and a blanket adorned with the flags of the Allies. Stubby's heroism didn't stop at his injuries. He also captured a German spy, holding him until American soldiers arrived which earned him even more accolades and decorations. After the war, Stubby became a national celebrity, meeting three U.S. presidents and participating in American Legion parades. 
He was also awarded a Gold Hero Dogs medal by General Pershing. Stubby's fame led him to become the mascot for Georgetown University's football team and even lifted the ban on dogs at the Grand Hotel Majestic in New York City. In his later years, Stubby's legacy was cemented with a portrait by Charles Ayer Whipple, and his remains were preserved at the Smithsonian, symbolizing his enduring significance. Stubby's story, from a stray dog to a celebrated war hero, highlights the unbreakable bond between soldiers and their canine companions, a tradition continued through military history. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson, and you're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Glad to have you here. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. Come back and join us every Monday through Friday. The show streams live, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We give you plenty of great reasons to join us five days a week. Not only do we have great content, like that little Sergeant Stubby history video that you all unlocked. Did you enjoy that? The true story of the war dog who helped save lives during World War I. Every day we're gonna give you an opportunity to unlock great bonus content like that here. It's a great reason to come back and join us. Thank you for your support. We appreciate everybody for donating. The Rumble Rants, you guys help keep us in business. All right, well, I know another reason that you guys like to come back to the show is because of our awesome regular guests. We had Camelia Peterson on just a few minutes ago and now we've got the lovely Daniela. It is Thirsty Thursday, after all. Good morning, Daniela. How are you doing today? <laughs> Good morning, Austin. I'm doing just fine. Um, how are you? Good. Nice to see you, Daniela. And this is a great topic for you, as you are an expert, of course, uh, on this. And uh, I know I don't know what it means to be a woman. What is a woman, after all? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> young men and young women are growing more increasingly polarized in their political views, where this study showed that Gen Z young men are leaning more hard to the right and young women are leaning more hard to the left. What's your take? Yes, and this is a rather new phenomenon actually, Austin. Um, never before in history that we are aware of has there been this uh, stark of a polarization. And in fact, women lead 30 percentage points over men um, in progressive values and aligning with more progressive values. And um, it's happening not just in the United States, but uh, in a lot of uh, Western nations in Europe and the United States, but also in South Korea, uh, the article mentioned that's like that's the, that's the greatest divide between men and women in terms of in terms of their political polarization. So you know, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, researchers are baffled about why this could be. So this the article stated, but they are saying there's multiple reasons. Um, there's and I think one of the most obvious one is uh, the use of the internet. You know, um, men and women do take up different communities or different echo chambers online. And so they get fed certain information. And so I think this isolation in tandem with what the Internet does, and it's going to do what it does. Right. And uh, people end up being more polarized in their political opinions. And we've been seeing this like, extreme polarization happen in the United States for uh, quite some time now, I would say. So your theory uh, as to why this is happening is because of the communities that we have it online? Well, that's the one that researchers think it is. And I and I actually do believe that is a that's a good part of it. Um, but I also think, you know, if we're going to look at a deeper reason for why this is, um, it makes a lot of sense if you just look at the temperaments between the sexes. Right. I mean, let's be real. 
Uh, an average woman tend to be a little bit more nurturing. You know, they want to protect uh, protected classes of people, no, minorities, and, uh, no. you know, immigrants, people like that. And they also need a provider. They want bigger government. So I think it makes sense why they would want they align with more big government policy. But I mean, women have always been like that. So something new has been introduced into the ether that is changing how young men and young women look at the world. I think the easy thing to point out would be social media, say, because what we where we ex inhabit online, if you're looking for something that fits in with masculine stereotypes, like it's it's quite extreme, uh, the online right and how they you know, get young men and lionize men and masculinity and then demonize femininity to some ex to some extent, not an enti not entirely some branches of feminism, right, where they lift yeah. up traditional, you know, feminist values. But then yeah, yeah. the opposite is also true on the left. So social media is probably the most obvious explanation, would you say? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I mean, right? I, I'm just talking about these are here. These are natural inclinations of men and women. It's always been the case. It, all, all throughout history, women did tend to be a little bit more progressive than men anyway, right? Uh, most minorities are typically, but, you know, that's beside the point. But yes, with the introduction of the internet, these like isolated online spaces, of course, is going to exacerbate the issue. And uh, that's what we've been seeing. Well, since the since uh, common usage of the Internet, what was that like 90s, I would say, where people typically are using, it, you know, on average, uh, like the general populace is using it. And we're just seeing this polarization um, occur greater and greater as the years go by. So I think I think I'm not saying, you know, correlation is a causation or whatever the phrase is, but but I think it's quite obvious what's happening here it is the use of the internet absolutely daniela i mean you are in some ways sort of a uh of a reflection of not necessarily progressive values but of maybe earlier waves of feminist values you've gone on to get a, a master's degree right you went to to graduate school uh you're highly educated right you have a, a job right you work you work and you you know pull in your own income but you've managed to avoid falling into the left-wing traps that have been set and laid to try to carve out a path for women like yourself to fall into left-wing thought patterns. How have you avoided this? Very good question, Austin. You know, uh, frankly, I, <laughs> I ask that myself. I am an, listen, I'm an anomaly. Like, I, I understand I am a, I'm a white, I'm about as like, as much of a reflection of the stereotype as it is like i'm a white woman i uh, am a fur mom by the way love my dog don't have that don't have a biological child um uh, have education like you all said have my own income and you know i still do ask my i still ask that question for myself uh all the time it, i am an anomalous a statistic but you know what um i think in part I think I'm an individualist, so you know you can only go by case by case basis and analyze every individual experience. I grew up, uh, I was raised by immigrants from the Soviet Union, so um, you know perhaps it was the way I was raised with the values that was put into me when I was um, younger about the the horrors of uh, big government, which is why I became more libertarian and had more uh, aligned with more right leaning policy. I speculate that could be the reason. Just for my individual case, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I also am a little bit of a loner. I was always online and I just ended up being on right wing online spaces. If anything, I, I kind of prove this, uh, this, 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 or this theory where, you know, if you're in particular right in a particular community, you just align with those values more as you gr grow more into it. And those are just the communities I always found myself in.
I grew up in a small town, so I can't give you the specific answer for that. But um, but I will say uh, I am only going to go with policy positions that I think make the most sense. And at this moment, it is not the uh, progressive values that is being spouted right now. I will just say that much. Daniela, do you feel a lot of pressure to conform uh, being on the right in the sense that, yes, you're a very individualist, you know, you think for yourself and you're willing to resist conformity to an extent as a libertarian. Uh, we do that naturally. But do you feel pressure to conform in the sense that, you know, you are in many ways a hallmark of progressive female feminist values and having gone to higher education and, and supporting yourself, but then you align with the right and the right very much resents that to oh, an extent. They do. <laughs> they do, you do feel, yeah. Do you feel pressure to conform? <laughs> do I feel pressure? No. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand for what I want to stand for. I mean, do I get a lot of you see it, Austin. I do you see the comments under the post <laughs> under my post? Of course people well, say follow, stuff all I the time. You down. Yeah, they say you need to go, you need to get married, you need to get pregnant, you need to have a baby, and you need exactly. to find a good masculine husband to take care well, of you. You know, frankly, uh I see those comments all the time. I just find it I just find it funny. I don't feel pressured. Like I maybe if I would be like 18, I would be, but I'm 28. So like if I if I can't if I can't uh, stand up for myself and do what I want to do at 28, then I have bigger problems, you know. Um, some some women want to be barefoot and pregnant. That's great, and you know a lot of women should. Frankly, we do we all, we do have a lower birth rate, but uh, at the same time, you just got to do what you got to do and what you want to do, you. right? And that the the right would blame you. You're 28 all... years old. You're almost you're you're almost geriatric. In regards to having children, <laughs> geriatric pregnancy, right? Yes, yes, yes. You're almost yeah. to that to that level. I mean, yeah, I do see the comments there, but you just you kind of slough it off. I mean, it, you know, I guess there is a place on the right that you're carving out for women who are, you know, who ha who are not going to conform to these traditional conservative values. Do you think that that's the difference? There is because you're more libertarian than conservative that you sort of like feel comfortable, you know, owning your yeah, space in well, a sense? Well, listen, I, that's a big contributing factor for why I'm a libertarian. At the end of the day, I think that people should just do what they personally feel like their purpose is and what they should do. Um, and at, I, I, in some ways, I am an anomaly, not in only my political positions, but just like in my life experience, I feel like. So perhaps that's why I don't a lot like I don't uh, perform in a certain way uh, that other women do. You know what I mean? But at the same time, we live in we live in this world where women aren't getting married at 18, 20, 21 anymore. Uh, people on the right just need to get guys on the right. I uh, need to get it through their head that um, people are getting married later now. It's actually what I'm doing is actually not that out of the norm compared to what's happening uh, nationwide or even worldwide. Women just getting married or everyone's getting married later. Women are having children later. And yes, a geriatric pregnancy is like what, early 30s? Um, but my, my there's a lot is, of Jerry. Yeah, wife, there's a lot of geriatric. My wife is uh, 35. I'm 42. This is our first child that we're getting ready to have. And we're very excited <laughs> right. about. And and uh, we did when we spoke to the doctor. The doctor said that she's actually not geriatric. They're now considering geriatric to be 40 years old if you're a woman okay. and giving birth. So but, now they're pushing the yeah. But but this is not the message that we hear from Charlie Kirk and from uh, <laughs> from Matt Walsh and from Ben Shapiro. They are saying get married young, have babies young, and you know I, I completely disagree with them because I think a lot of people end up making stupid mistakes. And you know yeah. I just like I just like to say I skipped my first divorce and alimony and child uh, yeah. support payments. 
Exactly. Um, by the way, the way that the world is going right now, I don't like to say people should get married early because Yes. a lot, you know, and, and you see the way that people mature now. I really do believe that people are maturing later these days. Uh, I always felt like I was a late bloomer in terms of my like uh, cognitive maturation, but it seems like actually there it's a it's a it's a prevailing trend among younger people now. So um And whether that's because uh, there's many reasons for why that is. But all I'm going to say is, yes, I, I don't like that message because I have seen a lot of marriages dissolve because people just jumped into it too early. I, I grew up in a small town, um, a very religious area, and I saw a lot of people get married really early and then they just divorce or they just, have, they just frankly have unhappy marriages. They take time off. You know, they separate for some time. And that's an environment a child should be raised in. It's better to be cautious, in my opinion. But to have it be right. And if you are going to bring a child into this world, it has to be in the utmost, uh, it's just a very good environment, is all I'm going to say. I mean, so I agree. we are. I agree. But, we, but we you are, are religious. We, we, you are religious. I'm a Christian, but the Bible doesn't say you have to have kids. So <laughs> actually, people point to that one. Multiply. That's a that's a verse in Genesis that was okay. specifically made for. Do you read Paul? Paul said that we should remain single in the New Testament. Yeah, but if if you were going to, it's like he said we remain single, but it's like if you can if you burn can, in lust. Yes, if you burn in lust, then it maybe. I'm not burning to, in lust. I'm just yeah. fine. So I mean. The rest of you guys can. Well, audience is very disappointed about that, Danielle. They're asking if you're single over there. Let me hold on one second. It is Thirsty Thursday. Let's pause there, gentlemen. Cool your jets, all right? <laughs> Take a drink of cold water, maybe in between sips of founding flavors. And let me just remind people of who we're talking to right now. I'm speaking to Daniela Pensack. <laughs> she is a field coordinator for Turning Point USA. She joins us here every Thursday at 8 a.m. Central Time. So if you're thirsty on Thursdays, Make sure that you come back and join us for her regular appearance here on the show at this time. I'm Austin Peterson, the host of the show. Click like and subscribe. We hope you'll come back and join us on the regs on this show. Let's get back to the uh, political angle. I'll, get, I'll take a little bit of the pressure off of you, Daniela, personally. Let's talk about the uh, what can be done on the right to sort of capture a little bit more of that elusive female voter, because... I was talking to Camelia a little bit earlier about this national poll that showed that Biden leads Trump by by like six or seven points when it comes to women. So there's a gender gap here. I asked Camelia if the answer is to do what Donald Trump does and say maybe we need to be a little bit more moderate when it comes to abortion. But do you agree with mm -hmm. that or do you have any other ideas? No, uh, the abortion issue, I think, really did hurt uh, the GOP um, quite a bit. Uh, and their messaging on that was just uh, very poor. And so when uh, Donald Trump made his it wasn't a tweet, it was a post on like Truth Social or something like a year ago or so uh, saying that that the messaging was very poor. Uh, everyone got upset about it. But it, he's right. The messaging is all over the place. You need to have a unified message. And uh, if that means making some compromises, then that's the case. But the religious right. Obviously, it's really difficult to cater to them, but I don't I don't think it's I think it goes beyond abortion. I think that <clears throat> getting the female vote is going to be very difficult, uh, especially for what I mentioned before, that the left really capitalized on women's desire to protect uh, these these minority classes. Um, then they and they really capitalize on a woman's need for a provider. Um, at the end of the day, women desire a provider. And if it's not a husband, it's going to be government, you, you know, whether it's provider, one man Daniela? or a bunch of. Sorry. Do you desire a provider? Well, I mean, it would be nice, but you know, we can't we can't have every we can't have everything. Unfortunately, right. I'm a, I'm a realist. But um, <laughs> just kidding. Please continue. 
but I think I think if the right um it is it's it's a it's a difficult question. I think if the right figures out a way to like I think um sec- the focus on security and law enforcement is a big one. Um I think it, it's it's going to be hard. I don't know exactly how to go about this, but if we try to uh talk about in a in a particular way how we do need stronger law enforcement we do need stronger protections for our government from dangers that are coming in um women need safety right they inherently desire safety they need safety so if we somehow like change your messaging about that that's maybe one way that you know if we really fear monger women into knowing that we need protection um perhaps that's one way we could also get the female vote um, obviously, abortion, united messaging and abortion is another way as well. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of this sex wars that we're seeing is tied to uh, reproductive freedoms. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's the case. So I think that there's multiple policy issues that we do need uh, to improve our messaging on and to have a unified messaging on, I think, if we're even going to make a first step into getting the female vote. That's really good insight, Daniela, and it leads me down the a rabbit hole of like a million other questions. Uh, unfortunately, we aren't going to have time for all of those today. Yeah. So I want to give you an opportunity before we do let you go to let us know what you're up to these days and where what you're doing with social media, which I see is always fun and funny. I appreciate when you troll the real hard, <laughs> the real hard right. Uh, share with us a little bit about where people can follow you and hear more about your views online. Yeah, so um, I highly encourage people to follow me on Twitter. It's at Pensac Daniela. So my last name first and then my first name last. It's at Pensac Daniela on Twitter. And um, if you want to see more pictures of me, uh, go on Instagram. It's at official Daniela Pensac. Uh, I do still post on TikTok as well. And it's by the same name, official Daniela Pensac on TikTok also. I think, yeah, I see a couple of people who are like asking you out on dates in the Rumble chat right now that definitely want to see more <laughs> pictures of you. Give it up for Daniela Pensack. Daniela, it's great to see you again. Haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. We'll see you Glad again you back. right back here on Thirsty Thursday. Take, yeah, take care. I'll and have see a, you. Yeah. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. What do you guys think of Daniela Pensack? Give it up. Oh, we're doing a great job. It's so nice to see Daniela on the show, especially when we haven't seen her for a while. Oh, Fook over there, LMAO, saying, want to go get Starbucks? How dare you? Oh, you are thirsty, thirsty. And uh, Danielle always cracks me up. She's very intelligent, and she's got a very individualist take on politics that you don't get from many people. I was going to talk to her a little bit about Vince McMahon. And have you guys heard about this wrestling category, uh, wrestling um, scandal that Vince McMahon is tied up in? Uh, Camelia actually yesterday sent me a point of view from our friend Dominic Izzo that I thought was a really good read where Dominic is actually, Dominic, he's been a, sh- uh, a guest on this show a couple of times, is getting Vince McMahon's back. Vince McMahon has been accused of sexual assault and of doing awful, horrible things, defecating on a woman's head, etc. But he's denying all of these accusations and he stepped down from the WWE and everybody's piling on him, except for Dominic Izzo, who had a really good take on this one. And I wonder what your thoughts are on this. You can react either in the Rumble comments or you can send me a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Here's what Dominic had to say. He says he read Vince McMahon's texts and he fully stands by him. He says the societal denial that women cannot 
do not and would not have the same, if not deeper, personal enjoyment of a sexual kink, lust, and taboo as men do is not only disingenuous, but more proof that the post-consensual walk of shame, victim-crying status women leverage for a payday is why women will never be seen as equal. Wow. it's a lot. Right? He's arguing essentially that, you know, women cry, you know, crying over what uh, Vince McMahon's proclivities are in the bedroom is a, an example of why they will never be treated the same. They'll never be seen as equal because it's we we demonize the lustfulness of men and we celebrate it in women. He says, society chooses to vilify men for the same cravings that they would otherwise label as empowerment if a woman expressed an interest. Being a in the bedroom with with consent doesn't make you one, but using the legal system for a payday based on your ability to leverage society's sympathy for your gender does. Damn. Yes. Um, uh, Steffi for Liberty says, us sophisticated women approach the men we want, so just wait patiently and show your beautiful feathers to your woman interest. That's good advice. Quest says, didn't the victim get injured by his use of, uh, you know, adult toys? Um, I, you know, we don't know. But all we know is that this is hearsay. And I really like Dominic's point here. He says that using the legal system for a payday based on your ability to leverage society's sympathy for your gender does make you a you-know-what. Damn. So at this point, all we have are accusations against Vince McMahon and hearsay. And honestly, uh, until the court of law has decided, I don't know if I'm going to believe it. Even then, I might still not believe it. Just because a court case is ruled doesn't mean that it happened. It just means that you found a judge or a jury who is sympathetic to your cause. E. Jean Carroll, anyone, you know what I'm talking about? Donald Trump and the lawsuit that uh, that he just lost because he allegedly, I say allegedly, even though the the lawsuit was won, because honestly, I don't know if I believe those charges that are laid against him. That civil case where she won 86 or $88 million in a judgment against Donald Trump. Do you guys believe that's... No, really don't. No, I think that she's probably a left-wing activist, and they managed to find a sympathetic jury to to rule in her favor. And this is the lawfare that's being enacted against conservatives, right-wingers, libertarians, uh, and Republicans for decades now. And, you know, if we don't find some way to reverse this and to have a le actual level playing ground in the justice system... We're going to continue to face accusations like these. More great men of society are going to continue to be taken down because we have an unequal balance between the genders at this point. Um, I like Bill Burr, where he talks about, um, in his comedy special, one of his comedy specials, he talked about the people who wanted to take down Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, for being a great man. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm doing this on the fly. Bill Burr, great man. Here we go. I like this. I like this. Here we go. Bill Burr, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, being a great man. Here it is. Hopefully this will be the so, right uh, clip. I'm going to pull it up. Remember when Arnold Schwarzenegger got in trouble for sleeping with his so, maid? Uh, Schwarzenegger Here we are. just got busted. So uh, Schwarzenegger just got busted down on the stakes. States, yeah. 
That poor bastard, huh? Jesus Christ, another great man. Another great man brought down by another gold-digging whore. No? You don't think so? You don't think that that was a great man? Really? Three decades of awesome movies. Bangs one made and now you don't like him? Tell you something, that's a great man. <laughs> he is. First of all, I get why he did it. Why wouldn't he think he could get away with it? Well, Look at I mean, you could tell from those boos that how the audience is that there is an imbalance in the genders in the United States, and it's not slanted towards any kind of a patriarchy. Anyways, talk about that kind of stuff later. Thank you very much for unleashing the hounds. Great job today, guys. You did it. You unlocked that bonus content. Tomorrow is a very special day. You don't want to miss Freedom Family Friday with the lovely Stephanie Peterson. She's going to be joining us. And a very special announcement. We're going to have Dr. Bob Onder on the show. And yes, while he's not a Peterson, he was at the Peterson family wedding. So Dr. Bob Onder making some big news tomorrow morning here at 8 a.m. Central on the Wake Up America show. Did you love us? Good. Then do us a favor. Exit through the gift shop on your way out. Visit ap4libertyshop.com. Get yourself some delicious Founding Flavors coffee. It is delicious. The best coffee in the world. And if you don't like it, send it back and I'll give you a full refund. My favorite, Thomas's Painkiller. Get it at ap4libertyshop.com. That's the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. We've got patriotic metal signs, beautiful hoodies, everything freedom. If you love economic freedom and personal liberty, AP for Liberty Shop is the way to go. Don't forget, we got a 15% discount on all of our neon retro designs. If you use the code neon retro, save 15% on your order for your items. And uh, there's Thomas Jefferson Synthwave shirts, all kinds of awesome products that you can't find anywhere else because they were designed by me and my lovely lady who will be joining us tomorrow on the show. And we'll see you there, won't we? Huh? Huh? Click like and subscribe on your way out if you haven't already. And we'll see you tomorrow on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com.